All right. We are continuing on our series for this month, Building Through Wisdom. We are using Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4 as our main text. If you can find that, please. Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4. The English Standard Version reads, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established and by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant things. You know, this scripture here is such a powerful one for all there is to our lives, whether it's our spiritual life, physical life, financial life, whether it has to do with your career, whether you are building a church, building a home, building a business. This scripture is such an important scripture. And it sort of shows you the three tiers or the three steps or the three phases, if you would, of being able to build anything. One, you build by wisdom. Number two, you establish through understanding. And number three, you resource through knowledge. I'm not going to focus on the understanding and the knowledge, but what we want to do this month is to talk about wisdom. We build through wisdom. It didn't say through intelligence. It said through wisdom. And it is by wisdom that a house is built. When you read the Bible, you find that wisdom is such an important thing. In fact, the book of Proverbs says wisdom is the principal thing. It says with all you're getting, get wisdom and get understanding. And when you read the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, we know, particularly the book of Proverbs, was written by what the Bible calls sages. These are wise men, older men, could have been women, who, having gone through life and having lived through life, have gotten to understand what matters in life. You know, if you're open, life will teach you valuable lessons. And you learn things. You know, when you're young, there's so many things you assume and take for granted. But as you get older, you realize certain things that you never thought are worth anything that are important. And the tone of the book of Proverbs is that of a sage or an older man who's talking to a younger man and giving this young man advice about life. And when you read the book of Proverbs, it's really not only about your spiritual life, but it covers everything about life. So many advices about relationships, about moral living, about how to behave when you are among people who are wealthy. I love that scripture that says, you know, when you are invited by, by somebody who's wealthy and you sit before the table, it says when they put food on the table, don't just eat everything. <laughs> it actually says, you know, you must put a, you, you must put a knife on your throat and, and, to, and, and to say, don't just go for it. Because they may use how they see you eating as a measuring stick of your worth. But then there are scriptures like what happens when somebody confronts you? It says a soft answer turns away wrath. I love the book of Proverbs ever since I received Christ, 1978. One of the books I've read since 1978 to date at intervals is the book of Proverbs because it has so much wisdom about how to live life, covering a broad spectrum of things. And in this instance, it tells us if you're going to build, you build through wisdom. It tells us that when you lay a foundation, it comes through building. 
That word built is very interesting. It's the same word used in the book of Genesis when God made a woman. You know, we were created, man was created, but then it says, and God went to the rib of Adam, pulled the woman out, and from the rib that God got from Adam, he made into the woman. It's the same word built into a woman. And literally that word means to restore or to rebuild. In other words, God goes back to what he had created and says, I can do better. <laughs> That's why you ladies, you look better than us. Okay. Um, that's for free, by the way. That's for free. <laughs> but God rebuilds and shapes and molds in a skillful way. There's thought behind it. There's, there's creativity behind it. And the Bible says if you're going to build anything in life, it's going to need wisdom. Wow. And when you read what wisdom is in the book of Proverbs, essentially it means seeing with discernment. Is the idea of seeing the broader picture of something. In other words, when you see the broader picture of something, you make a decision because you know how things are going to turn out finally. You're not short-sighted. You're not living for today. You're not making a decision based on circumstances. You see the broader picture. See, in other words, you don't concern yourself with the petty details, but you're looking at the broader picture, and it's the broader picture that determines how you build. Because you want to build a strong foundation. I see your house built in Jesus' name. And that word house is used figuratively, by the way, to refer to all of life. Whatever it is. We build marriages, as I said. We build homes. We build businesses. Through wisdom, a house is built. Can I hear an amen? amen. Can I hear another amen? amen? However, we must accept that wisdom seems to be in short supply these days. When you think about it and you look at the things that are going around in the world, so many people make unwise decisions. Governments make wrong decisions. Individuals, church leaders, all kinds of people. It seems like wisdom is in short supply. And so the book of Proverbs says wisdom is crying out in the streets. And it says, how long will you simple ones remain simple? Wisdom is crying out and says, why don't you involve me in your life? Why don't you allow me to help you as you navigate the ups and downs of life and I'll help you to build. And James says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask from God who gives to every man and gives liberally and he has no favoritism. But my goodness, our world really is running short of wisdom. There's a wisdom deficit in the world. And the Bible tells us it is through wisdom that we can build. And so, there are eight principles I want us to go through today that build a framework for wisdom. And we find most of these in the book of Proverbs, some not, but in the, we're going to read these eight principles, what wisdom is about, all right? And these eight principles that build a, a, a framework for wisdom, they can serve as a guide for general behavior. To, to, to help us measure how, how advisable our potentials are in a given situation. We look at, you know, when a situation confronts me, what is the best action to take? Or if we do these things, am I on the side of wisdom or am I on the side where there's no wisdom at all? The first thing we learn is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
In other words, when we are in awe of God and we are humbled before his presence, that is the beginning of wisdom. When we come before God, we become aware of our humanness and our frailty as human beings. And we become aware of our need for him because we are such a fallen species. And so when we fear God, that's the beginning of knowledge. In other words, if you don't put God as number one as the center of your life, and we don't fear him. And the word fear there, by the way, it's not talking about running away from God in, in utter panic and we are so scared that God's going to kill us. But what that word fear means, it speaks of moral reverence. In other words, we revere God, we respect God, we honor God. God is important to us. What his word says in our lives matters. When his word says don't, we don't. When his word advises us, we take the advice. We build our life on the basis of his word. We follow his word. We take his word seriously. It means we don't use his name in vain. We don't just throw around the name of God. You know, it means even when we come to a time of worship like this and we've come to church, we take what we're doing seriously. We're not here to play games. We are here to have an encounter with God. We're not here to entertain anybody. We are here that every one of us as we've come, we've come at different levels, at different stages of our life, with different needs in our lives. We are here to have an encounter with God. I don't know what it is that you're going through, but I can tell you one thing. God is able to meet your need wherever you are. Oh, yeah. And we come with a healthy fear and awe for God. Proverbs 15, 33 says, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. The same verse, the Jerusalem Bible says, the fear of Yahweh is a school of wisdom. If you fear God and you put God as number one and you revere God and you honor God, there are certain wisdom principles that will be in your life. You know, sometimes I sort of, compare how our parents raised us, you know, and I'm talking about our situation. I think this is more similar in many parts of the world. Many of our parents were not educated people. They were not really rich people, very poverty stricken. Many of them illiterate, but one thing they had, they kept God as the center. I'm telling you, they didn't have much. In our home, we never had a car, the home that I was born in. We never had a car. My, my late father worked all by himself. Well, it was the agreement between him and mom. Mom raised all of us. It's a lot of work to raise children. It's more harder than working a secular job. Yeah, she was a house manager. That's, that's, that's a tough assignment. Raised five of us children. We weren't rich people. We were not really poor. We're almost poor. (laughs) But you know, if there's one thing my parents said to us, they said, you know, we we can only offer you God. And I'm I'm not saying we mustn't offer children other things, but that's all they gave us. Raised in a home where we prayed, where they lived by the principles of God's word. You know, they were an example in that. On Sunday, we locked the house and we all went to church. But you know, the world has changed a lot these days. And when I look at our society, much as we have problems and challenges, I think a few people have become a little bit more affluent. How many of you are sitting next to an affluent person right now? Just look at them and say, ooh, 
I can feel the affluence all around you. <laughs> and unfortunately, you realize that the desire for God, even in Soweto, I mean, I remember growing up in Soweto on Sunday, the streets were not as full as they are today. Yeah. At least people went to church. Yeah. yeah, God was the center of what they did. They may not have followed everything, but God was important. Yeah. Some people just went to church to get baptized. So they went to church when they were baptized and when they were got married and when they were buried. At least they went to church. <laughs> but you know, I realized something. The outcome of having put God first. Look at the fruit of that in our lives. That though we went to bed without food and our parents struggled and we live in the dark days of apartheid. Look at you today. How God has kept you. Yeah. But you know, today you, you see, you know, some of our people, they have done so well for themselves. You know, money, education, everything, but you realize God's nowhere. Yeah. They don't think about God. They don't talk about God. Some of them are even disputing if he's there. And they're the very people who are prayed for in churches. Look at your neighbor and say, why are you so quiet now? Is he talking about you? The more we truly know God, the more we can see who we are as created beings made in God's image, but who have fallen, and yet God was gracious enough to redeem us, and He has destined us for eternal life. So we know that we need wisdom, we need knowledge, so as we can. Have grace to live our lives. You know, life is lived through wisdom. If you don't have wisdom, you'll make a mess of life. Number two, the second principle we learn about wisdom is wisdom teaches us to be teachable. (laughs) See, the humility that comes from properly fearing the Lord leads to a lifelong hunger to learn. Wise people are always teachable. They never feel like they have arrived. And that's why as you, as you, as you get older, you become more humble about life. <laughs> you, know, you know, when you're a teenager, you think you know everything. In fact, you're wondering why your parents are saying they're your parents. You, 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 you're surprised how such stupid people can claim you as their child. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, but that's a stage, you're young, you, you don't have much upstairs. You are okay, but you still have a long way to go. I was telling them in the first service, when my late father passed on, I, I, was, so, I was so hurt. For one year, I was, how can I say it? I was angry with God. Let me admit that. Though I never brought up the subject in prayer. You know, I just prayed and stayed away from it. But I was not happy. I, I wasn't ready for him to pass. Because, you know, as a, as a child, there was a time when I was very bitter with my father. And I don't know what it is with boys. They become bitter with their fathers. Even though my dad was an involved father, who was a good man, by the way. But I was bitter with him because he had, he had given me a hiding when I hadn't done something wrong <laughs> when I was nine years old. Come on, don't laugh at me like that. You, you know what I mean? And I never got over that. And when I got to be, when I became a Christian, 
at the age of 17 and, and I got to learn principles as I got to the age of 20, I realized how much unforgiveness I had towards my dad. And thank God one day I dealt with it, I forgave him and all of a sudden I realized what a great person he was. You know, bitterness can make you not realize the wealth that you have in front of you. You can have a good parent and good pastors and good managers and never see it because you're bitter with them. Yeah. And then as I realized what a great man he was and as, as I grew up, you know, as you mature, you know, as you go through stages of life, then I would talk to him about things. And I was surprised he knew something about it. But the older I got is the more I realized how oh, he knows so much. How many of you remember, you, you, when you, the minute you, you, you graduated at school and you got your degree, you immediately told your parents, <laughs> How many of you are sitting next to one, somebody like that? <laughs> so you went out and got your own place and to stay there because you don't want them to control you. They will take away all my money. I got it by myself. I'm independent. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? And then the, the first month in your own place. Uh, you, can finish, you can finish that one off, right? The first month in your own place, what happened? By the 15th, you had run out of money. And you kept wondering, you started wondering, how did, how did my mother, how was she able to feed five of us? And every time we needed money, she could give us, she gave us money. You were behind on your rent, you were behind on your car, and your cell phone didn't have data. You kept on sending people, please call me. <laughs> and all of a sudden you realize this parent that you thought they don't know anything. This parent who didn't go to school, they don't know that one plus one is one. I mean, two. <laughs> you realize. To be able to live and sustain life, it takes more than your degree. Ah. Ah. Yeah. So, so you, you learn to be teachable. You learn as you grow that you don't know everything. Wise people are always teachable. They never feel like they have arrived. Proverbs 3, 7 says, do not be wise in your own eye. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Proverbs 9.8 says, Do not reprove a scoffer lest he hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. When you are wise, you learn that you know, it's good for you, people to help you give you information to teach you. Yeah, and when you get corrected, you don't, you know, you learn. The wise desire to learn more knowledge and they are open to correction and reproof. If you're not wise, you will not lack to be corrected or to be reproved. You will walk out when you're reproved. Why? Because wise reproof is like an accurate mirror which gives you a, a clear reflection how you really look like. And if you will listen, it will save you a lot of heartache. One of the things I was saying that has been, I thank God for this, that in the early days of me coming into ministry, 
There are older ministers who took interest in me that even to date, I still go to them for advice. And they've corrected me with a lot of things. They said, don't do that. You know, and sometimes when they're speaking, you don't agree. Anybody knows what you're talking about? And the only reason you don't agree is because you're still a teenager. You, you don't understand why they're saying that. I've learned over the years when they say something to listen, even if I may not agree, take it to heart, keep it in my heart. And you know, 36 years of running a church, I found out they are right 99.9999999% of the times. Oh yeah. And I realized because of some of the advice they gave us a few years ago, in terms of how to run a ministry, what to prioritize in the church, what to stay away from, who to befriend, how to stay faithful to preaching, the doctrine, all those things. It has saved us so many problems. But you see, if, if, if you are young and, and if you are unwise, you're not going to listen to any advice. The wise are always teachable, intellectually and practically. And they end up having discernment. Number three, Wisdom will teach you to learn from the wise. Note this. Whatever group of people you hang around the most, you become like them. So if you habitually associate with people who have certain belief systems, it's going to rub off you. Now, in no way does the Bible say we must isolate ourselves. Nor does it mean we cannot relate with other people who may not necessarily believe what we believe. But close association of best friends, you can easily be influenced. Proverbs 22 verse 24 says, do not associate with one given to anger and with a wrathful man. Do not keep company lest you learn his ways and get yourself in a slay. So on the contrary, we should associate with and listen to the wise, and this is highly recommended. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there's no guidance, the people fall. But in the abundance of counselors, there is victory. So when you're in an environment where there's wise people who are giving counsel in your life, it's going to save you so many problems. Isn't it what we do all the time when we consult professionals on different things? If you go to a health specialist, huh? and they say, look, don't eat this, eat that, eat that. You don't say, how? Oh, you are jealous of me. <laughs> you, you, know, you, never, you don't ever say that. You don't ever say that. You know, you go to your physician and your physician says, you know, your heart rate is not good. You're not sleeping enough and so on. You don't say, oh, you are jealous of me. And the same principle applies in other things when it comes to life. You know, one of the reasons we're making the adjustments we're making with our youth service is the concern I'm having over the fact that we see young people coming to the church, grow up in church. Some of them come very young. We know many of them, they were very young. Three, two years, four years old. Some 16, 14, they grow up. We see them go through high school, then go through tertiary, you know, get their degree, get their job, and we officiate at the wedding. And after they get married, all of a sudden. <laughs> you know? And then you ask this guy, but now what has happened? You don't come to church anymore? You don't pray anymore? You know, and I've, I've met some of them. Now, they're not many. 
But you know, as a pastor, even if it's just one, it concerns you. I met one a few years ago at one of the airports. And, uh, and I could tell this brother, <laughs> even the way he was talking to me. <laughs> and it was unfortunate that there were, I was flying economy class. So he was flying business class. So when we went through, he was sitting in business class. I could see even the way he's looking at me. <laughs> and I was asking him simple questions. What happened to you? Ever since you got this job, why? You don't come to church. You don't pray anymore. You don't live right now. Now at my job. Blah, 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 blah. I said, but what about God? What about God? I'm not saying come back to our church. Go to any church. But what about your commitment to God? I'm busy now. Yeah, we've got projects on Sunday. <laughs> Look at the neighbor and say that he, he, he heard what you said last week. We... But then I realized he was associating with people who talk bad about church. They criticize the very thing that raised them. They drank from a well, and after drinking from a well, they messed it up. I won't say it in our vocabulary. <laughs> Mara, that, that thing, you're not ill. That's what they did. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not ill, you're not ill. That one, that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I met the same young man three years, four years later. The time, by, when I saw him, you could see, you could see the, the effects of wrong living. I mean, you just could see just from his face and just from his physique, you could just see it was written all over. That glow he once had, that spring in the step he once had, and unfortunately life, life was taking a knock. Yeah, all the things he used to have were not there anymore. And I remember, I didn't, you don't spare them when they're like that. Some people only listen when they're at the bottom. So you want to hit them hard when they're there. No, 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 don't oppress them. You want to prick something in their conscience. So I said to him, oh, we met here a few years ago. What has happened? Oh, yabona, yabona. Kshuguti, kshuguti. No, 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 no. No, kshuguti. What happened? No, I said, you know what your problem is? You walked away from God. Yeah. Yeah. The minute you, you got your qualifications, you became too arrogant for God. Thank God he's made a turnaround. Yeah, he did. And I said to him, stay away from that group. Stay away from that group. They're, they're not influencing you the right way. Some of you, you've got wrong company, wrong friends. Wisdom teaches you. Stay away. I don't know why you're not saying amen. <laughs> Proverbs 15, 22 said, without consultations, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. Cultivate relationship with wise people and consult them on important decisions. Hang around wise people. Now, like I said, I want to qualify. I didn't say we can't befriend other people. We talk about close associations. Surround yourself with wise people. Number four, Wisdom teaches us to watch out for spiritual entropy. What does it mean? We need to keep learning 
We need to keep growing. We need to continue to gain wisdom. Once we stop listening, once we stop learning, things tend towards disorder. If you look at the life of Solomon, even if he was the wisest king, but later in his life, he did some very unwise things. How was this possible? He forgot. Proverbs 10.10, that says, He who winks the eyes causes trouble, and a bubbling fool will be ruined. Solomon started well, but as he progressed in life, he stopped learning. He cut off that wisdom connection. Proverbs 19.27 says, Cease listening, my son, to discipline, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. If you stop listening, we will stray. This is why it's so important by us to keep on reading God's word. Keep on being among wise people. Keep on attending church. Keep on. Continue. No matter how much you've learned or how much you have achieved, you'll always need something extra to navigate your life. Every stage in our life, we need extra wisdom. Every stage in our lives. Yeah. So continue. Continue listening to God's word. The very word of God that you are listening to, the very truth you are listening to, there's many layers to the same truth. Write that down. Write that down. There are many layers to the same truth. Many layers. During the week, I was with uh, several leaders, and we were sharing one of these leaders. I'm so happy for him because he has served in, a, in another church for, for many years now. And, you know, they've had some challenges in the church with the health of the leader and lots of things happening. And, and I think for the last several years, I've been counseling him and I've been telling him, stay with your leader, keep supporting, do this, don't be, whatever, whatever. And, 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 and not too long ago, this person was given a bigger responsibility in the church. And, and he felt he wasn't ready for it. And I remember after the pastor gave him the responsibility, he ran to me and said, they said, I must do this. I just feel so disqualified. I said, don't worry. You'll be able to do it. So he started taking on the responsibility, and I mean, he, he aced it. Aced it. So I, 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 I said to, then he said to me, you know, I was with my pastor, and for the first time, my pastor said this to me, and I didn't know this, and my pastor told me what I meant to him, and so on and so on. I said, you know what? Any parent, and you parents can identify with this. There are so many things you want to tell your child. But it is their level of maturity that determines what you tell them. This is how I said, this is how I said, there are many doors to the, to the heart of a parent. Many things a parent can say. Even a spiritual leader, Jesus tells his disciples, I have many things to say to you, but you are not ready. When Paul talked to the church at Corinth, he said, uh, when he talks in the, the, the book of Hebrews, even in the, at, at Corinth, he says, you know, he says, you know, you, he says, you are carnal. There's still jealousy among you. You know, he says, you, 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 I can't even treat you as spiritual. In the book of Hebrews, he says, by the, by the time you should be teachers, you, you still need for somebody to give you milk. He says, I wanted to entrust you with the job of being a teacher. What happens? What happens? The same truth, there are many layers to that truth. But to be able to gain more of that truth, you've got to stay on that path. I tell you. Wisdom teaches you. 
You never get to a point where you know everything. Even when you are successful. Even when you may be on the front pages of newspapers. Even if you may be on the toast of everybody. There's still so much to learn. As a matter of fact, when you meet well-accomplished people and you engage them in conversation, you'll be surprised at how much they want to learn. Even from you. Even from you. Many years ago, I was preaching in a major conference. This was a big conference. I was so scared in that conference. Hey! Preaching side by side with these world-renowned preachers who have written books. They've traveled all over the world. They're old enough to be my dad. I haven't even written one book at that time. Hadn't traveled as much. And whatever scheduling decided, they scheduled me in between these people. I mean, really? <laughs> Hi, Bo. I mean, it was this preacher, and this big preacher, Mio, and another big preacher. I mean, really, I, it was difficult. I remember, I, it was such a difficult conference. So I got up to do my session after the other two big preachers. Serious. So I got up. My knees were having fellowship with one another. <laughs> God was good. God helped me. I got off. And then, then the next speaker comes. And when he comes up, before preaching, he starts commenting on what I said. He said, you know, this young man, what you said, I have never seen that in the Bible before. I said, God, is that true? <laughs> and I thought he's just saying it. Because, you know, sometimes when people preach, you know, like one, one, one young man asked his dad, he said, dad, what you were saying when you were preaching, is it true? He said, no, I was just preaching. Some of you, you'll understand that week, week after next. <laughs> so I thought he's just saying it to make me feel good. So when we went back into the speaker's lounge and we were sitting together, he still further pursued it. He said, that scripture that you quoted, that principle, how did you learn that? And we started talking. And I'm thinking, huh? <laughs> Serious? He's learning from me. <laughs> you know what I found out? People have accomplished... They have no issue about learning from everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They have no pride. They have no point to prove. So we must continue learning. Number five, we need to seek wisdom every day. Every day. As you wake up, seek wisdom. Isaiah 50, verse 4 and 5. The Lord God has given me the tongue of a disciple. The tongue of disciples. That I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. Wow. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not disobedient. The NIV Bible says, The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He awakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears and I have not been rebellious, I have not drawn back. So in other words, he's saying, morning by morning, God helps us to gain wisdom. So every time we spend time in the presence of the Lord, God imparts to us this thing called wisdom. Every time we come into the privacy of our room and we spend time in his presence, God wants to impart wisdom to us. Isn't it nice when we left home Wherever we went, we were able to speak the right word at the right time. Wouldn't it be great for us as we left home and went to our job to be able to do the right thing at the right time? So whatever time it is that is more workable for you to spend time with God, 
whether early in the morning or later in the day, it's important to orient your life to the Lord and to zero in in spending time with the Lord. Spend time with God on a daily basis. What will happen? You will grow in wisdom. You know, I found the Bible, as I said when we started, not only imparts to our spiritual principles, there's so much about wisdom in God's word. So many things that have to do with practical living. Practical. It's not about only Noah and, you know, John who was swallowed by the world. It's not just about that. It's about practical living. Practical living. Think about what Jesus said when he talks about seeking first the kingdom of God. Huh? Or when Jesus talked about putting certain things first. Or when the Bible talks about sacrificing or working hard. You read the book of Proverbs, it tells you about working hard, not to be lazy. Those are powerful principles. So we need God to open our hearts and our minds on a daily basis. As the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all manner of prayer in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance. And so as we spend time in the presence of God, we expect God to impart wisdom. Number six, wisdom helps us to note the difference. What do we mean by that? As we go through life, we go through many different situations. In fact, throughout the day, we weave in and out of different experiences. Wisdom teaches you how to navigate everything that comes your way. And you'll note that just because you have experienced a similar situation in the past, it doesn't mean that the present one is exactly the same. So the wise person is able to note the similarities but be aware of the difference in the situation. So wise people realize they never experience exactly the same person. Even people you relate with, one day they woke up on the right side of the bed, the other day on the... Even the same job you do, even your dog has got different moods. <laughs> Why? Because life is dynamic, is not static. Even if past experiences are very helpful, it's essential to ask, how can I approach this situation? That you were able to do it yesterday doesn't mean you can do it today. That you had bread from heaven yesterday doesn't mean yesterday's bread can sustain you today. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. So wisdom helps you to realize that, you know, as I move on in life, life is different. Things are different. You know, one of the conversations we're having now in, in our church, and I've asked some of our leaders to help us, is to say, you know, as much as the church has continued to grow, but our world is different now. Yeah. I'm very interested to see how this fourth industrial revolution is going to affect the preaching. And how AI is going to affect what we do. Maybe I must get you a, a, a robot to come and preach to you. <laughs> now we will read from Matthew 4, <laughs> verse 5. You lady over there, sit down. <laughs> number six. Now number seven. 
ask God for wisdom. In 1 Kings 3 verse 5, Solomon asked God for wisdom. Let's read that. Very powerful. I want you to read this, you know. And what I'm reading here, part of it is one of the things I use in my prayer time as I pray to lead you as God's people. It says, in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. And God said, ask what you wish me to give you. And somebody said, Lamborghini. <laughs> and Solomon said, you have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as you walk before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart towards you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. He's so conscious of the assignment. Now, O oh Lord my God, you have made your servant king in the place of my father David. Yet I'm but a child, and I don't know how to go out and to come in. I pray this prayer, except that I remove the child part. <clears throat> I'm no longer a child, but I, I need to know how to go in and to come out. Note verse 8. Your servant is in the midst of your people which you have chosen, a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. He's aware of the great responsibility he's been given to lead people. And note what he says. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people or to lead your people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge these great people who are your people? Look at chapter 4 verse 29. Now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breath of mind like the sand that is on the seashore. So Solomon asked for wisdom and God gave him wisdom. Tell somebody God gave Solomon wisdom. Thank you. Say it again. God gave Solomon wisdom. Tell them again. God gave Solomon wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask from God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Often we don't ask for wisdom. Ask God to provide you with wisdom. And when God gives us wisdom, it doesn't mean we are going to forsake the process of discipline, working hard, studying, praying, fasting, fellowshipping with God. But we realize even with all of that, you still need wisdom. You know, sometimes you can have all the resources at your disposal for a certain project to, to be fulfilled, but you may just get stuck. Because there's just a small thing that you don't realize. And then all it needs is wisdom. Can I hear an amen? amen. And in conclusion, number eight, recognize that wisdom leads to flourishing. Hallelujah. Those who gain wisdom will flourish. Psalms chapter 1, verse 3, compares us to a tree that is firmly planted. Look at it in the New King James Version. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. You know what I love about this verse? It shows you that even fruitfulness comes in its season. Yeah. See, see, when you're wise, you realize that there are times that even when you're doing all the right things, you may not see fruit yet because it's not time yet for the fruit. 
And when you are wise, you don't try to force things and, and look for shortcuts and, and do things quickly. You, you, you stay with the right process because finally the right process is going to pay off. Yeah, yeah, we are Barcelona in a country now. I mean, you know, some cases are very sad to look at. Huh? Here you are, you went to school with this person, right? You graduated at the same time, got jobs at the same time, and all of a sudden, this friend of yours, all of a sudden in a year's time, they have so many, so many resources. You can't understand how come they have four Lamborghinis and two jets. You can't understand because you're working the same job. You can't understand. Because you are using the way of wisdom. You are using the right way. You know that when you stay on the right path, you will bear fruit in your season. You don't start to fast track or fast forward the, the time of harvest. No, by the time people who are impatient, they want it in But you see, there's a saying in our language. And I'm going to try to explain it in English. It says, Can you explain to the person sitting next to you what that means? Can I help you? What that means is this. The long route... will help you to get to your destination no matter how long it takes. And you're not going to find yourself sleeping out in the field. You remember those days before we had the Google Maps? As we're traveling, I used to drive a lot. And sometimes, you know, you, you go into a place and somebody says, no, I know a shorter route. We will cut out two hours. Then he said, no, but he said, no, 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 we must turn right here, right here. We'll go through this, we'll go through this. So you went through that route. Finally, after driving through that shorter route for two hours, you came to this road that was closed. <laughs> ah, yeah, I can see you've experienced that. <laughs> and now you have to make a U-turn, go back to the very place where you started and go to the other longer route. By the time you got to your destination, you had lost five hours. Or even worse, as you went through the shorter route, you got a puncture? Or your car broke down, you had to slip over there? And the other guy who took the longer route, they arrived there before you, even if it was longer. Mara, it was a short route. I'm here to tell you, God's route might be longer. Mara, it's a short route. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You didn't get your wealth through unscrupulous means, through cheating, through lying. You went the longer route. You went the wisdom route. You went the route of God. But the other person decided to cheat and lie. And now we see the hawks visiting their house, taking all the Lamborghinis and all the furniture 10 years later. And then you realize there they go. Not only do they take the Lamborghini and the, and the furniture, they even take them and lock them up in prison for 12 years. Mara, you... Now at least you are getting there bit by bit. I see you getting there bit by bit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We understand the way of wisdom. We will bear fruit in our season. We're not going to try to force it. We're not going to try to make it happen. We're going to wait for God's time. We're going to rely on God. He says it shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Number two, this person will experience the blessing of God. Wow. 
Wisdom leads to the blessing of God. That Psalms chapter 1, listen the way it starts. Verse 1 says, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Next time anybody asks you, how are you? You must tell them, I am blessed. (laughs) Blessed is the man. Which man? Which woman? Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But what do they do? But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Do we have those men or those women in this house today? That's the way of wisdom. When we choose the path of wisdom, it is a blessed way. It is a blessed road. It is something that's filled with the grace of God and the power of God and the anointing of God. It might be a long route, but it's a short route. It might be a long route, but we will get there one day. It may not be this year. It may not be next year. But as we say in Soweto, one day is one day. Because we choose the way of wisdom. We choose the way of wisdom. We choose the way of wisdom. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Oh, I see somebody prospering in this place because of the wisdom of God. And because you took the long road, but it's the short road, is the wisdom road. No wonder the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask from God. And Paul concludes in Colossians chapter 1, when he talks about Christ, he said, Christ to others is foolishness. But to us, Christ is the power of God. And Christ is the wisdom of God. My goodness, when we follow Christ, he brings wisdom in our lives. He helps us to navigate our lives every day. It may look foolish when we worship him. It may look foolish when we fall down before him. It may look foolish when we ask him to come into our hearts and come into our lives. It may look foolish when we sing songs of worship to him. But my goodness, Jesus is the wisdom of God. And if you want to hang around enough, hang around enough to see what our lives are going to turn out many years from now. Because God's going to take us from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from faith to faith. He's going to do it. Because he's the wisdom of God. He's the wisdom of God. I remember as a young man, 17 years old, when I asked Jesus to come into my life, there were people who said, you're wasting your time so young. Why are you taking this big burden of following Christ and and, and saying Christ is the savior of our life and and, and going to church? And when I got called into ministry at the age of 18, they said, you're wasting your time. And I went to Bible college at the age of 19. They said, why? And when I became pastor at the age of 22, they said, you are still so young. You're wasting your time. But I'm here to tell you, God's path is the only short road. And 36 years later, I can tell you, God will never forsake you. God will never leave you. Because his way is a wiser way. His way is the shortest way. His way unfolds from glory to glory. Because God is able to sustain. So when they ask you next time, how are you? Tell them I am blessed. You know why I'm blessed? Because I walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. I don't stand in the way of sinners. I don't sit in the seat of the scornful. But I delight myself in the wisdom of God. I delight myself in the things of God. I delight myself in what God has done. And I know I'll be 
like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. I may not be successful now. I may not have fruit now. But one day is one day. And Paul says, been confident of this one thing. That he who began a good work in you will complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a glory. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a shout. Come on, give the Lord a shout. Come on, somebody, if you believe that, give the Lord a shout. I said your path is going to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. Just remain standing, please. Everybody can be standing enough here. Would you bow your heads right where you stand? You may be invited this morning. It might be your first time, might not be your first time. But if you've been listening to God's word, you realize that Christ is not the center of your life. And you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. And as you've been listening today, you realize Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. Letting him into your life, to run your life, to lead your life, to guide your life, is the way to God. And even as you talked about Christ today, that he can change and transform your life. He's the way maker, the miracle worker, the light in darkness. You need him so in your life. Maybe you came on your own. Maybe you've been invited. I don't know what your situation is, but as you've been listening to God's word, you say in your heart, you know what? I want to have an encounter with Christ. I want Jesus Christ to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. I want him to transform my life. My life is not going in the right direction. But I want to give my life to Jesus this morning and ask him to come into my heart and make me a child of God. And I need to be prayed for. Would you please pray for me? As we are standing and our heads are bowed and our eyes closed. And you need prayer. My brother, my sister, wherever you stand. You say, yes, it's me. Please pray for me. Would you raise your hand right where you stand? Just raise it high. I want to pray for you. Just raise it high. Thank you for those hands all over the place. All over the place. May I ask the people who raise their hands. Even those in the foyer right at the back there can see some more hands. I want to pray with you because this prayer is the most important prayer that you can ever pray. May I ask you please to come out of your seat where you are and just make your way to the front here so that I can pray with you. And as you come, please don't leave any of your belongings behind. I just please just help the people as you navigate them. If you raise your hand, just come to the front. We want to pray with you. That's right. Give them a hand as they come. Give them a big hand as they come. Jesus Jesus Keep on walking, keep on walking, keep on walking